And it isn't in our evolutionary interests to perceive the world objectively. Don Hoffman has just written a book called The Case Against Reality, where he more or less claims that the view we have of reality is a little like the connection between a computer desktop and what's really going on within the computer, that it's effectively an interface that our brains create to optimize survival by making the external world intelligible. Once you acknowledge the fact that people don't perceive the world objectively, they don't respond to reality, they respond to a meaning they attach to a reality. Welcome back to the Brain and Brand Show. I'm Timothy Maurice, and I'm super excited to announce a special three-part series. Over the next three episodes, I'm going to share seven simple and practical ways you can apply behavioral science to your personal and professional life, all in order to accomplish more and make changes to habits that are difficult to change. You can expect this three-part series to be short and straight to the point with notes about behavioral science ideas in the episode description just in case you want to do more research on the topics. If you're new to the podcast, welcome to the journey of applying the best insights and research about the brain to your journey. Make sure you check out our previous episodes with some of the world's most accomplished researchers and authors. I also have some really cool interviews coming up with some people you're going to enjoy. I would appreciate if you do two things for me. One, share this episode with someone you text often. Two, leave a comment about your experience of this podcast on whichever podcast platform you're listening. Okay, here we go. We're going to start this series with two behavioral psychology strategies to help you connect with the unconscious minds of those you're trying to engage and to connect with your own deeper brain. The two ideas are the endowed progress effect and stimulus devaluation. And I promise to make these super simple and easy to use. Let's begin with the endowed progress effect. This effect simply makes clients, customers feel that they have a head start and that they have less work to do to get to a goal. Here's a research example of how it works. Researchers Joseph Nunez and Xavier Drez tested this idea with loyalty cards for a car wash. They handed out cards requiring eight purchases for a free car wash, which means the customers had to get eight stamps to redeem the reward. But they also handed out cards requiring 10 purchases, but with two spaces on the card already stamped. Although each group had the same amount of purchases required to get the reward, after nine months, a greater percentage of the people with two free stamps had redeemed their cards. It was the perceived progress, not actual progress, that triggered the behavioral movement. Our brains want to feel like we're moving. Remember, both needed eight new stamps to get the reward, but the two stamps for free made getting to 10 feel like they were already on track. I use this strategy with client acquisition. I'll share with the client that after five consulting sessions, they'll get a free book if they sign up now. And then what I'll do is I'll include our briefing session, which they didn't pay for, as a free session. As with the coffee example, it makes clients feel like they already have a head start and reduces the perceived amount of work. The brain focuses more on what needs to be done versus what has been accomplished. 
So what you're essentially doing is reducing brain stress by using the endowed progress effect. And the word endow in this context simply means to add perceived ability or to build perceived movement into the process. Whatever you're trying to accomplish with a client or stakeholder, by designing perceived movement and progress into the experience, you're more likely to get the client to buy in. Before we move to our second key idea, here is a snippet from a previous episode about quantum emotions. Is that why some arguments can feel like a, an atomic bomb? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I love that. And boy, isn't that true that it is real. It is just as real as the energy that I described earlier, where the communication inside your body is communicating to your cells. These energy waves communicate at a quantum level outside of you. She is being affected by their pheromones. So we are all communicating with these molecules of emotion and they are being communicated, they've been picked up by the skin and the nose of the people that are around us. Hi, I'm Dr. Melanie Dean, author of The Hidden Power of Emotions. Check out my conversation with Timothy Maurice on the Brain and Brand Show. All right, let's move to number two. While the previous example was about clients and customers, this example can be applied to your personal life. If you've ever tried to stop a bad habit like snacking late at night, you know it's hard. And motivation can quickly dry up without a little psychological strategy. This is where a stimulus devaluation comes in. This is just a fancy sounding economics term that means to create friction between repeated behaviors to reduce the habit. Going back to snacks, let's go back to snacks. An example is, by putting snacks in hard to reach areas, either really high or up out of immediate reach, the extra stress and friction you need to grab them will signal to the brain over time that it's just not worth it, devaluing the snack's worth. Now, sure, sometimes the cravings will be stronger than the friction and you'll end up snacking. But when you're consistent with this strategy, over time adding in friction, it will begin to wear the habit down. Another example of devaluing the thing you want to change is, let's say you want to stop watching so much TV. You could ask someone in your home to put the remote away, out of sight, and replace the area where the remote usually is with reading material or some game. In both of these examples, we are overriding logic and communicating to the emotional, deeper side of our decision-making brain, the part of the brain that is regulated more by feelings than measurable logic. I hope you'll begin applying these ideas immediately. And I really look forward to your thoughts. Email me podcast at timothymaurice.com to share your experiences. And look out for part two of this three-part series next week. Until next time.